inquiry no longer seems to work. You've been to satsang enough times and know all the right answers that you should find peace, calmness, the vastness of your being, but it becomes dry like a husk of wheat blowing in the wind. There's no real direct realization anymore because the mind has grabbed a hold of inquiry, has grabbed a hold of the concepts that you've read about, that you've heard about in satsang, and maybe even directly experienced in satsang, or directly experienced when you're actually practicing inquiry. And the reason is simply the mind has the power to grab a hold of any thought, any idea about truth, about self-realization, about liberation. In fact, in ancient times, students were never given the scripture about the self, about the vastness of your being, until you had the direct realization to eliminate the possibility that the mind would grab these ideas, these concepts, and fool you into thinking that you've had a direct realization when all you've really had is an understanding of those concepts, of those thoughts. And when this happens, inquiry is actually dead for you because you have this knowing. But true inquiry is not knowing. It is a discovery until the person who is looking, the person who is searching for the truth, vanishes in the truth. So a direct realization of the truth of your being is indescribable with words. Words cannot possibly describe your essence. And the direct experience of the essence again and again and again is essential for the mind to finally surrender all of these ideas, all of these concepts. And you have to understand that Ramana's self-inquiry, who am I, is meant to destroy or dissolve the questioner. It's not about finding an answer to the question. So anything that the mind says that you are is not it. Even if it's grabbed a hold of ideas of oneness or experiences of oneness, all of that has to be let go of and approach your inquiry from the place of not knowing. But your inquiry will remain mental as long as it doesn't come from the heart. If it doesn't come from devotion. 
So there's two important aspects of inquiry. One is the, the question itself, who am I? Or who is angry? Who is frustrated? Who is not making any progress? Who knows the answer? Who is this who? This is the core issue. This is the identity I, the feeling that you are doing the practice of self-inquiry or vichara. But as long as there is a doer, you have not burned through the egoic identification, right? The ego is still there and then it becomes very mental. So devotion is essential. This is why the mountain path is both jnana yoga and bhakti yoga. Jnana yoga is knowledge, wisdom, and bhakti yoga is love, love of God, right? Love of love. Love is an essential aspect of inquiry. Without it, your inquiry becomes very serious, very mental, very rigid, and it keeps you from the direct experience of the presence of being that is free of the question and the questioner. The questioner must vanish in the heart for true inquiry. If you are not in the direct experience of bliss, which is beyond the human happiness that we all know comes and goes, right? Bliss is the deep realization of the living essence of your being, but only you can discover it through the devotional practice of inquiry, which means opening your heart and not knowing. It's an emptying of mind. You must become empty for inquiry to have any real value, whether you're just a beginner or you've been practicing it for years. You must empty out all of your memories of experiences of inquiry, memories of what you've realized in satsang. You must empty out all of your emotions and your knowing, especially your knowing. You must have an empty cup and the heart your heart is the empty cup, right? And the cup must be empty, must be full of love, right? Overflowing with love, which is emptiness. But it comes from this deeper place of devotion. And then from that place, ask the question, who am I without knowing the answer? to see what arises. And this must be practiced consistently, continuously, if you want to make progress, if you want to deepen in your realization of the living truth of your being. Only you can see this directly for yourself. 
often once this starts to happen, the question arises, do I even need a teacher? It doesn't work. I know the answer. My inquiry feels dead. I'm just going to be quiet. And this is a, a trick of the mind. There's nothing wrong with quiet or silence and directing your attention inward to the source in the heart because that is true meditation is an inquiry into the silence of the heart. It's a surrender of mind to the heart and the purest devotion. That is what real meditation is. But you can trick yourself because the outer teacher is there to push you deeper and deeper into the heart until there is no identity, until the feeling you are doing anything has vanished in the source. It is very difficult to liberate yourself on your own. Usually some form of an outer teacher is essential to redirect your attention until you develop the spiritual discernment, the discernment between what is real and what is an illusion of maya. And maya is ego. Maya is mind. Maya is all of the things that you perceive in the world that attract you, attract your attention, right? It is really finding the source of your attention, but from this place of love. And this is why Ramana, the only inquiry that Ramana recommended was that you actually consciously write the question, see the words, who am I, in your heart, and silently repeat that. He also did recommend that while you're in life, while you're walking down the street, you're washing the dishes, you're driving the car, there is a deep and intimate examination of the who, the doer, right? Who is driving the car? Who is walking? Who is washing the dishes? And initially, you really have to consciously do this if you want to make progress until it becomes automatic. It becomes so automatic that over time there is no question is needed. You are the self. There is a deep realization of that beyond mind, beyond ego, beyond thought. You will never find freedom in your thoughts. So in the West this is a great trick of the question, who am I? The tendency is to focus on the I and overlook the source. Or the attention is focused on finding the answer. There must be an answer because we are trained from the time we're very small to find the answer. And not just the answer, the right answer. And so when you awaken to the vastness of your heart, the vast presence of emptiness, when your cup is empty, when you approach this teaching without knowing, 
and inquire, then you can have the direct experience, right? And you have to fully accept the teaching as true and real and accept the support of your teacher, the form of your teacher. Now the teacher could be a mountain. Remember Ramana's teacher, master, was the mountain. And the mountain is still. And the mountain is silent. The mountain doesn't speak. And when you're with Arunachala Shiva, the mountain itself reflects this truth of yourself. It only reflects the truth back to you. But for a mountain to be your teacher, then you have to deeply listen to the teaching. What does the mountain say? What does the mountain demonstrate? And apply that. So if you think of a mountain, right, in stormy weather, the clouds fly by the mountain. You can't even see the mountain in a really bad weather, right? But the mountain is still. There's no reaction to the weather. It is silent, right? This is the core teaching. And you can tell if you are making progress by how you react to your life circumstances. If you are getting angry, if you are getting jealous, if you are getting judgmental, if you are suspicious, if you are not trusting, these are all rooted in ego. And not only ego or the sense that you are the body, but the sense that what you are witnessing in the world, what people are saying is real and you are reacting to those unreal circumstances thinking that they are real and justifying your thoughts and your perspective right so your ego is agreeing with your mind and your mind has all kinds of tricks and traps and it will even camouflage itself as knowing the truth, knowing peace, knowing that you are the vast presence of being. And this kind of knowing must be tossed out and the heart must be emptied of all your attachments, all your desires, all of your sensory perceptions must be surrendered to God, right? This is an aspect of devotion. I am surrendering my mind. I am surrendering my body. I am surrendering my ego to God, right? I'm letting all of that go and I'm giving my attention to the heart without knowing and anything that arises is not the answer. Any answer to the question, who am I, is not the answer. It's really to sharpen your blade of discernment to cut through the egoic identification. That is the whole purpose. You are generating a sacred fire in your heart. And it is this sacred fire that burns through the deep feeling that you are your body.
and when it burns all the way through then you are in the constant experience of bliss bliss peace happiness there's no words that can describe to you what bliss actually is it is a stateless state that is always present but it is hidden by your senses it is hidden by the feeling in your body it is hidden by your thoughts and your cultural conditioning everything you've learned from the time you were born until this moment is like a veil of information that's actually hiding the bliss of your being and often we can get very attached to what we know especially on the spiritual path we have some a certain kind of pride in what we have learned or what you have realized spiritual pride spiritual arrogance the enlightened ego right this is when the ego is still very much intact but there is this knowing about the vastness of self or peace or happiness or bliss and all of that must be released and your attachments must be released your desires must be emptied in order for this direct realization to occur for you naturally and the outer teacher is there to help you see through how the mind is tricking you how you're making an agreement with your own ego I've got it I'm awake right is the same as I am bound I am suffering there's no difference between those two thoughts they're this the same thought that's keeping you from the direct realization so all of that must be thrown away for your own devotion to evolve right so you really have to give up childish things childish ideas of what liberation enlightenment self-realization will do for you how it will change your life and make it better right it has nothing to do with you and your life it's so much deeper and the more you realize it directly the more you naturally are happy in any situation and do not react to any situation but you must practice this in order for the mind to surrender because what I'm talking about is total surrender to the heart to love to devotion and cultivating humility right in the West we are very arrogant we expect things we've spent a certain amount of time inquiring and we think we should be done and because we don't see the results we think we should have seen by this point after a certain number of years or a certain number of minutes or months then we get frustrated and no longer believe the teaching is any value and get caught back in to Maya the illusion of suffering again and again and again for lifetimes so really the teaching for to really live for you it does have to be consistent constant and it really should be in the forefront of your life 
not in the background, not on the back burner, something that you might do once you think of it, right? So we have these unrealistic expectations in the West that we are going to be enlightened without any effort. And this comes from the absolute truth that in the core of your being you are already liberated. So it requires no effort to be what you already are, which is liberated, right? But in the relative sense, this is not true. It's true in the absolute sense that you are already liberated. But in the relative sense, it is not. Because in the relative sense, even after you've had a profound moment of awakening or a direct realization of the bliss of your being, and even if that's lasted for several months or even a whole year, the ego is still very much in play. The feeling that you are your body is still very much alive after the moment of awakening, which is an instantaneous shift in your consciousness. And often people after awakening think, I've done it. I'm a liberated soul. I'm a liberated person, right? I am free. But this is just the other side of the coin. I am free and I am bound are two sides of the same coin, right? So in the relative sense, you must do the work of inquiry in order to burn through this deep sense that you are the one who is inquiring. You are the one who is seeking. You are the one who wants enlightenment, who wants freedom, or wants special powers or wants to be the special enlightened master, the enlightened one, right? You have to burn through that in the relative sense in order to realize the absolute truth, which is the liberated presence of being that you are and always from the beginning of time and beyond. You have to throw out the idea of time, right? this expectation by a certain point in time. I will have made it. I will be the one, the master. I will have those powers that I wanted. I will have a better life, right? You've made it. So that must be thrown out. To keep your mind humble, this idea that you've made it must be thrown out completely because it does two things. When you think you've made it, it creates a kind of spiritual arrogance or the enlightened ego, especially if the ego is still there. But it also puts off direct realization to some point in the future, right? Or in the next life. So it's important to recognize this difference between the absolute and the relative and give your attention to the absolute until there is no relative. That is the work of self-inquiry. So this idea that can be evoked by the moment of awakening when you recognize the truth of yourself can be grabbed a hold of by the mind as I am awake, I am liberated, right? 
which is the two sides of the coin, I am bound, I am liberated, are still conceptual. It is this kind of arrogance of effortless realization. I'm already liberated, so I need to make no effort to be what I am. In the absolute sense, true. But in the relative sense, not true at all. And this is a great trap of the genetic mind. This arrogance of mind that I've made it and I don't have to do anything to be it. So this arrogance of mind must be surrendered. Your past experiences, no matter how beautiful, must be surrendered for your inquiry to be fresh in this moment. You must approach this with an empty cup. Grace cannot fill a cup that is full of knowing, full of spiritual concepts, full of expectations, full of suspicions, full of judgment about yourself, about other people. There's no room for grace, right? And grace is this presence of God that is waiting to fill you with the truth of you, right? And annihilate this identity that you think is you. And until that occurs, then suffering continues and you're trapped in the law of karma, the law of ups and downs and problems, the issues of life that grab your attention. You will be a slave to your mind and a slave to the events and people in your life and the judgments and fears and jealousy, suspicions, anger of the egoic mind, the genetic mind, right? So it takes a fierce determination to be liberated, a fierce love of God and the willingness to surrender everything that you're attached to, everything that you want, and give your full attention to the emptiness in the heart. This is the empty cup, right? And this is what Jesus meant, you know. He said, you hypocrites. The outside of your cup is shiny and clean, but the inside of your cup the inside of your body is filled with all this junk, fear, pride, arrogance, expectations, suspicions, hatred, judgment, revenge. All of this stuff that's rooted in your ego and rooted in the karmic destiny of the body. But you are not the body. You are the emptiness of the heart, but only you can directly realize this for yourself by finding the source, finding the source of you again and again and again until there is no you, there is only the source. This is the purest love, the purest intention no mind, 
the eternal freedom of your heart. Thank you so much for listening. This is Koshi, and I'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you.